This is the Action Network Podcast. It's on target, and it is good. Wow! That's when you have fun. When you're kicking somebody's ass, and they're sucking for win. That was good. Ready? Go. Inbounder on the baseline. Crowd. And a steal! Last chance to death! Way outside. Happy March, everybody. Welcome into the Action Network podcast. Brendan Glasheen with you today. And we are going to dive in to the Giffen Guide to Betting March Madness. Dr. Nick Giffen is joining us today on the pod. Nick is a predictive analyst for the Action Network. He's one of our newest members of the team. He has a PhD in mathematics from NC State. He's been betting college basketball at a high level analytically for close to a decade. Nick, it is great to have you with us. It is a great time of year, my friend. Yeah, it's great to be here. I'm I'm so excited. We have games tonight. Oh my goodness, 68 teams. One's going to be standing at the end. It's going to be great. Yes, we have two games tonight in first four action in Dayton that we will dive into. And then, of course, I want to mention as well, we're going to have Jason Lisk of Team Rankings joining us about midway through the show. He gives us a team rankings understanding, team rankings working with Action Network this year for the tournament. So Jason provides unique perspective. We'll get to him later on in the show to kind of give uh, folks a break from us too. But the Giffen Guide, your betting scheme, betting the tournament. You have a specific guide of how you go about it. And please, let's begin by just taking us through those basic bullet points of how you go about betting March Madness. Absolutely. So, so this like kind of system or, or scheme, if you want to call it, the idea is we want to find higher seeded teams that we think can get far in the tournament. And what we want to do is instead of betting them to win the national title, you can actually get better bang for your buck by betting them on the money line every game. Or in some cases, if you have a favorite, maybe instead of betting a money line, you bet them on the spread in the first game. Uh, like we're picking like a five or a six seed in the first game. Uh, but after that, you're kind of betting a money line. And if you think about like a coin flip, let's say we bet $25 on a coin flip. If we win, we get our 25 back and then another $25. So even money. So after one coin flip, if we win, we'll have $50. After two, we'll have a hundred. You got to win six games to win the national championship, uh, you know, from the first, uh, not the playing games, but from the first round. So if we do that six times, if we do those six coin flips and we win all six of those bets, we end up with $1,600 at the end. $1,600 versus a $25 initial investment is around 64 to one. So we now have 64 times the amount we started with. So let, let's, let's look at a team that's near 64 to one in odds to win the whole tournament. They would have to win six times. Arkansas is 66 to one at bet MGM. If we look at them, they'd be favorite in game number one. If things went to plan and they face Connecticut in game two, they'd basically be a coin flip in that game. And again, if things went to plan, they'd probably be an underdog in the sweet 16, the elite eight, the final four and the final. So overall, we're not actually getting even money on Arkansas. If, if we bet a money line every game, we'd be getting underdog money on them. And if they won the national title, we'd be returning way more than 64 to one if they right. won the national championship. But you're only getting them 64 to one in odds to win the national title. So we can apply that. But instead of applying it to winning the national championship, 
We can pick eight teams and stop at the Elite Eight. And if one of them makes the Elite Eight, we are going to make money. Great, great way of putting it because, and, and look, Arkansas for, for Nick here is just an example of what he's talking about. So now the idea here, and correct me if I'm wrong, you want to find, you want to find eight Arkansas. Now, how do we put this system to work for the entire bracket? The idea, how do we put this to work? The idea is to find eight teams to do this with. Typically, like I said, five seed or, or lower. And we want one of those teams to make the elite eight. So if we do eight teams, you know, let's say you just have a modest bankroll or you just want to invest a little bit in this tournament, have some fun, $25 per team. So that's a $200 initial investment if you pick eight teams. If one like middle seeded team, you know, like a five or a six seed makes the elite eight with this system, we'll probably get about our money back. If you think of the Arkansas example, small favorite in game one, coin flip game two, small underdog game three, probably recoup our money back. Uh, if one underdog team makes it like a, a 9, 8, 9, 10, 11 seed, 12 seed makes it, we will definitely be profitable if they make the Elite Eight. And if just any two teams make it, we'll be profitable. And if nothing hits, you're out 200 bucks. So it's not that bad. $25 per team, eight teams. If you, if you have a much higher risk tolerance or a bigger bankroll, you can do more. If not, you can do less per team. But the, the same idea remains. It just scales to the dollar value. But the other thing is there's eight portions of the bracket eight portions of eight teams mm -hmm. and we want to target one team from each of those eights and it's not quite always going to work like that because you can't always find a good undervalued team in each uh, eighth of the bracket so sometimes we'll pick two teams from the same eighth of the bracket and if they face each other before the elite eight that's great too because then we can just cash out our winnings on those two teams like i said occasionally if we pick a five or a six seed, we might want to bet them spread instead of money line, especially if they're going to be something like a minus 200 favorite or minus 150, maybe better to bet them on the spread. And if they miss the spread, we just kind of count that as an L. And even if they win the game, but don't cover, we would lose that money. And so we'd be out on that portion of the system. But yeah, that's really how it works. Eight teams, $25. And we're hoping for one to hit the elite eight. We will get into Nick's picks later on in the show as well. I sort of buried that lead as well. Going back now to 2017, take us through how this particular guide, we're calling it Kiffin's Guide because alliteration is great. Take us through year by year, last five years, how this has gone for you. Yeah. So, I mean, we kind of really have a three-year sample size. Obviously, we didn't have the tournament in 2020. And last year, I, I sat That's this good. scheme out a little bit because there was so many games missed due to COVID, weird situations. Uh, Are you serious, Nick? You didn't invest yeah. in Oral Roberts, you coward? Come on. <laughs> I know, right? I know. <laughs> but uh, so the analytics part of that, and this actually applied to college football as well. There, there was actually some papers out about how really accurate computer models um, that are great, you know, for, for helping you guide your bets in both football and basketball were just less accurate in 2020, 2021 season because of all the COVID craziness. So 17, 18 and 19 and, and 2017 is when I started this specific thing, this specific guide. I had Xavier, which was an 11 seed as one of my eight teams and they made the elite eight back then I just did a $20 initial investment. Uh, I had recently moved out to Vegas for the fall of 2016. So this is the 2016, 2017 season Threw 20 bucks on eight different teams. So $160 initial investment. Xavier made it to the elite eight. So all of a sudden I had 820 bucks after starting with 20 bucks. So you know, 820 minus 160. If I can do the math right, that looks like about a $660 profit to me. Then we we got our goal. We got our one team to the Elite Eight. They were playing Gonzaga, and I said, what the heck? Let's go for it. 
took Xavier over Gonzaga for a shot at over $3,500 and lost. But you know what? I did. I got my goal. I wanted to get one team to the Elite Eight. I could have cashed it out. Maybe I should have cashed out half of it or something and, and put the rest on Xavier over Gonzaga. That's not my style. I didn't care if I lost 160 bucks total and, and my 20 initial investment on Xavier. So that was really good. We got our goal. We could have been up 660 bucks overall uh, and, and, and had a great year. So very, very happy about that. 2018, got Loyola, the, which was a 10 seed that year. We got Loyola uh, to the Elite Eight and cashed out. So made money that year. 2019, Auburn was a five seed. And so I bet them spread first game. That way I'm essentially, you know, getting minus 110 ballpark uh, on the first game. Instead, I think they're probably a two to one favorite. So a little better return on the first game. They covered the spread in the first game. They made it all the way up to the final four against my Virginia Cavaliers. But uh, I cashed them out in the elite eight again when they faced Kentucky because they had an injury to a key player. Uh, otherwise, I actually would have bet them again against Kentucky. Turns out even with an injury to a key player, they still beat Kentucky. But I cashed them out. The elite eight turned twenty five dollars into four hundred fifty. So take away the two hundred dollar initial investment total. So four fifty minus two hundred. $250 profit. We got our one team. We doubled our money. You know, it happened to be with sort of a favorite that year, Auburn, the five seed, but uh, still nice to nail a five seed. And, and three years, we got one team to the Elite Eight all three years. And two of those years, we got one of those teams to the Final Four. Just to remind folks, the idea is to find eight teams, typically a five seed or lower. And as you noted, you can, it's okay to break this rule if it applies based on the odds, and then target each of those eight to make the elite eight. So eight is your key number to all of this. How do we go about identifying these teams? Having a math PhD helps a little bit, but uh, <laughs> I think we can all do this. This is something we can all do. What we want to do is we want to predict yes. which teams have a good shot at advancing. Now that means we want to look at predictive metrics. There are what we call forward-looking predictive metrics and backward-looking retrodictive metrics uh, and some ranking systems are forward-looking and some ranking systems are more backward-looking. So they, they explain past wins, but they don't necessarily predict future wins as well. Uh, if, if you were looking at Virginia Tech, for example, Virginia Tech early in mid-season, let's say partway through the ACC season was like really bad. They were uh, in terms of their record. I think they were 11 and 10 or something. Terrible. People yeah. were writing them off, mm -hmm. but the predictive metrics liked them. The backward-looking metrics had them ranked really low. The forward-looking metrics had them ranked still in the 20s or 30s. Uh, and Virginia Tech went on a hot run, and they made the, the NCAA tournament. So we want to look at predictive rankings. There's a lot of ranking systems out there. A couple of them the NCAA tournament uses as criteria. So I look at the predictive ones. Team rankings. We're going to have Jason Lisk on. Uh, it, it has is a ranking system, a predictive ranking system. So I use team rankings as one of those. I use Ken Palm. There is actually a site called uh, the Massey Compare, which is run by Ken Massey. He does his own rankings, but he has a list of tons of different ranking systems. And if you click up a link at the top, there's an analysis of which ones were actually the most predictive this year in terms of being able to predict future games. I blend a bunch of them together. So ensembling these models, these rankings together is really good. In, in, in predictive analytics, we like to ensemble models together. 
because it smooths out the rough edges of, of each one of those. And it's especially good when uh, models are done independently from each other and with different methodologies. One of the things that helps in certain situations, as we did talk about, is the pace of play. Mm -hmm. Slower paced teams or, or slower paced games will be closer. If, if there's a 75 possession game versus a 60 possession game, you need to be much more efficient in a 60 possession game. Uh, another thing would be maybe three-point metrics. That increases the variance. Three-pointers are a high variance thing in basketball, right? If you make one, you get three points. And if you miss it, the other team very likely will get the ball. I mean, obviously, the defensive rebounds are much more likely than offensive rebounds. Yep. So good teams that allow the three may be more susceptible to upset, especially if they're facing a good three-point shooting team. And the classic example, as much as I hate to say this, is my Virginia Cavaliers. Mm -hmm. Losing to UMBC, the first ever 16 to upset a one. Uh, conversely, teams that prevent the three can struggle against teams that don't rely on the three anyway. If, if, if they are really good, if they sell out to guard the three, but the, you know, the team they're facing doesn't, doesn't uh, shoot threes anyway, that's not part of their game plan, that could come back to bite them. And one team that you know, this year looks like that is St. Mary's. They have seven losses this year. Mm -hmm. Five of those were against teams that either don't shoot many threes or they shoot them poorly. So in other words, they don't rely on the three point shot to get their wins. They beat St. Mary's by taking it inside and by getting to the line as well. Before we continue, we will dive into what process Nick used this year in 2021, 22 college basketball season, what he looks at from this season to help drive picking teams this year. Before we do that, as promised, we have Jason Lisk of Team Rankings joining us now on the pod. March Madness this season, Action Network is partnering with Team Rankings, who will be providing action users with data-driven matchup notes for every game throughout the tournament. And for those that are unfamiliar, Team Rankings is one of the best sources of algorithmic sports predictions and data in the world, publishing over 200,000 pages of projections, stats, rankings, and odds. So Jason, we bring you on because we want to get set for the first round and understanding what you do and what you bring to the table. Yeah, absolutely. I did a lot of the research on some notes that are appearing there. So I'll start with tonight. We've got we got the first four matchups, and then there's a game I like there. Indiana minus four versus Wyoming, based on my review of these teams for a couple of reasons. A, a lot of Wyoming's best games, if you adjust for opponent, came in the first month of the season. They got off to a really good start. In conference play, they were sort of in decline at the end of the Mountain West season, losing several games and also winning some close. They beat Fresno in overtime for a cover, but it was kind of lucky. They beat UNLV in the Mountain West tournament, but it took UNLV shooting like 10% from three to barely get that cover. Indiana is going the other way. They were hot. They peaked. Wyoming has two players. They basically rely on two players, Hunter Maldonado and Graham E.K. E.K. is their center, their post player. And Trace Jackson Davis for Indiana is a great interior defender. Indiana defends inside. That's where Wyoming likes to score. I just think it's a good matchup for Indiana. So that's the first one starting us off. I like to lay the points with Indiana. I think they're the better team and peaking right now. I've got some underdogs, though, for later in the week. One of my favorites, because I'm crazy like that, is Georgia State. This line's already moved down, and it's around 23 right now, and it was a 24-and-a-half to open. I think this is the first one versus 14 matchup, and I say that facetiously. Uh, we've got this Georgia State team power rated above 10 other teams in this tournament, including most of the actual 14s. If you look at their overall record, it may not look impressive, but one of their best interior and post defenders was out for the first half of the season. They had a COVID issue for the first half of the season. 
and they were the preseason favorite that didn't play like it until the final month of the season. Then they went on a roll. We had success picking them based on those same factors in their conference tournament, uh, really good odds. And now they hear and they got stuck with a 16. I was hoping they'd be a 15, but they're catching a lot of points against Gonzaga. And they have two post players and their strength is turning people over in defense. Two things that I think can at least help them uh, stay within this number. UAB, I think stylistically, you know, Conference USA has had lots of teams that have pulled upsets in recent tournaments. UAB turns people over. They have a good, a really good starting five. Jelly Walker is going to be a popular player to watch in this tournament. And they're catching eight against Houston because Houston's power rated very highly. If this UAB team was against a team like Providence, it would be like a one-point line. They're catching eight against Houston, and I like them to at least keep it close. That's another one I'm looking at. Very nice. Yeah, I think some of those picks really that jump off, of course, Indiana tonight, a team, like you said, peaking at the right time, just falling short to Iowa in the uh, Big Ten semifinals. And then, of course, you mentioned Gonzaga, who has barely covered throughout the course of the year. The, a bit looking at your website right now at Team Rankings. Again, Jason Lisk from Team Rankings. Just a small margin of victory when you do all the math out based on their, their record against the spread this season. And then Houston, outside of their win against Memphis in the American Championship game, that was a game they got up for. They got embarrassed by them at the end of the regular season, but it was a game that didn't mean anything for Houston because they already wrapped up the regular year. So Houston, a little suspect outside of their win in the American Championship. As you look later in the week, what else are you looking forward to? Maybe some, maybe not pictures, confident in, but some leans and some other games you're eyeing. Oh, I'll give you one that I think it depends on what news comes out. We've seen the Murray State line uh, move from San Francisco favored to Murray State favored, crossing through zero. Short number on San Francisco switched the other way. I think it's at one and a half for Murray right now. Uh, I think there's some potential reasons for that, but we need to see. Uh, San Francisco forward, Masalski, probably their best post defender, rebounder, or one of them, missed the last game that they lost in the WCC tournament. Haven't seen an update, at least publicly, but maybe somebody knows something with that line move, or maybe they're just trying to anticipate. So that may be one you wait until closer to game time to see. Because if he's out, I think Murray State has the edge there inside with their offensive rebounding. And that may be something driving that. Other than that, I think it's a pretty even matchup. Chattanooga is one to watch. Illinois, yep. you know, Grandison was out in the Big Ten tournament. That's another injury situation to watch. I, I think Chattanooga's got value if he's out because their front line can otherwise match up. But if they have, you know, if Illinois has all three forwards, uh, that could be a more difficult matchup for Chattanooga. Uh, that's another one to watch. It, looking further out, I like, I, I, for me, Purdue's a fade overall, just, just stylistically in this tournament. I'm just not sure Yale is the team to do it because they just lack size. And Purdue has interior size. But longer term, Purdue might be a fade for me over the weekend. Very good. He is Jason Lisk of Team Rankings. Action Network is partnering with Team Rankings throughout the entirety of March Madness this season. So you'll be able to get uh, action users. You'll get data-driven matchup notes for every game throughout the tournament. Jason, thanks so much for joining us today. For those interested in learning more about Team Rankings, the page is teamrankings.com action, which we have set up for Action Network listeners, which includes you folks, to get discounts on various March Madness products, including their customized bracket picks and advice. We continue on the Action Network podcast, Brendan Glasheen with Nick Giffen. Thanks to Jason Lisk for joining us. We want to now, we're moving, we're getting closer to Nick revealing the eight teams this year. So with that said, what has driven your process this year? As I mentioned, we want to target each eighth of the bracket. So the one and the two seed in each region. Gonzaga, we just want to avoid them. We want to avoid that eighth of the bracket. They're the best team in the land. That means we need to double up in another eighth 
Uh, the other eighth of the bracket I'm avoiding is Arizona's eighth. Uh, I should mention Gonzaga also plays fast, which doesn't yes. help. Uh, Arizona also plays fast, which doesn't help. Their eighth of the bracket is weird. I'm having, this is my hardest portion of the bracket, the hardest eighth of the bracket. But you just mentioned that will help us now, I think, do a little process of elimination or at least give us a feel for what teams you are picking. And that is what we get to now. Let's start in the West. So this is this is the final the final leg. This is what everyone's waiting for now to figure out what teams Nick is picking for the 2022 March Madness NCAA tournament. Let's start in the West. Take us through your process here and then give us the teams you're taking. Yeah, and I do want to mention, these are my picks. This is the process I came to. If yep. you have your own process and you pick different teams, I love that. That's great. But we're going to avoid the Gonzaga, eight, you know, that top half of the West bracket there. Right. Uh, and we're going to look at the Duke side. And I've only got one on this side. So this isn't one of the ones we're doubling up on. I'm looking at Davidson. So th- this is really tough because I don't like Rutgers or Notre Dame. Alabama doesn't grade out particularly strongly as a six seed. They're kind of fair. Texas Tech, pretty good, but they're just too high of a seed for this system. Don't like Montana State. So I have to look at that 7-10 matchup. And Davidson and Michigan State are really close in, in these overall blended rankings of mine. I think Davidson can give Michigan State fits and then they'll face probably, I mean, unless Duke does another 15-2 loss, uh, they'll probably face in-state rival Duke in the state just below them, South Carolina. So it's not like Duke's going to have a massive home court advantage or anything. I'm sure Davidson will be sending a lot of fans there, uh, especially if they make it to face Duke. And uh, I think that that sets up well there for, for Davidson. You know, Duke, is a little bit slower or right around, I should say the, the national average in overall pace. Uh, so that kind of, you know, doesn't help their case. And as, as we talked about Davidson is slow, so mm. that could keep the game. Kind and they of close. can shoot the three. Absolutely. They can shoot the three as well. So I like Davidson to have a chance of upsetting Duke. And then, like I said, they'll have to face potentially a, a three seed Texas tech or a six seed, uh Alabama there but those aren't particularly strong sides uh so they would have to get through one more game they're they're not weak either I mean Texas Tech is probably potentially the second best three seed I have Tennessee as the best three seed Texas Tech is the second best three seed but Texas Tech is a fair three seed whereas like Tennessee should probably be a two seed in these blended rankings uh Texas Tech is a three seed. And so, you know, I think this is a a good situation here for Davidson to get to the Sweet 16 and have a shot at getting to the Elite Eight. Okay, we go from the West to the South. Let's look at the South region and what section of the South of the 16 teams on this side, where are you targeting? Yeah, I mentioned avoiding the Arizona side, not because, again, I think Arizona is particularly strong or whatever, but that whole eighth is just like goo to me. Uh, The Villanova side... I love targeting Villanova side. They're a slow-paced team. And Loyola, once again, we've got a, a, a Loyola here. <laughs> the 10 seed against Ohio State, Loyola grades more like a borderline 6-7 seed in the blended rankings. And Ohio State, more like a 8 to a 9-ish seed. So I actually have Loyola slightly favored 
Uh, it's essentially a pick 'em, um, you know, depending on what book you're looking at. Yep. So uh, bet MG, I got MGM, uh, bet MGM up right now. Like we, and I think I mentioned this right off the top. It's a, uh, it is a pick 'em right now. Yeah, yeah, and and so pick 'ems are great because the coin flip example at the beginning is pick 'em, <laughs> right? So that's fine. And well, then actually, they're gonna be... let me let me hold on, let me jump in here real quick. So as of right now, this is interesting. So right now on bet MGM, Ohio State is actually a one and a half point favorite. But if you were to bet each team on the money line. They're both at minus 110. Interesting. Hmm. It is interesting, isn't interesting. it? Shop yeah. around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, so uh, that, you know, they, they would be a coin flip, let's say, in, in game one ballpark. They definitely would be an underdog if they faced Villanova, and that Villanova is a slow two seed. They're also probably more like a three seed in these blended rankings. So wow. uh, it's a lot closer than it looks for a 10 2 matchup. Uh, then they would have to either beat a strong three seed Tennessee, but Tennessee isn't very fast paced. They're kind of, uh, you know, right around, uh, let's say almost average NCAA average NCAA average is 67 possessions a game. Ken Palm has them at 67.2. So basically an average pace Tennessee team. So it, it's not like Tennessee isn't going to be running and gunning and, and having a, many more possessions for their efficiency to play out. And, there's no guarantee they're going to face Tennessee. Tennessee would still have to win twice. They might face a tough Michigan team or, or uh, Colorado State there. So there's no guarantee they'd be facing Tennessee. But the idea is we've targeted the two seed there, Villanova, and then they just have to win one more game if they get past Villanova. Okay. I like it. That's that's good stuff. I, I, I kind of agree with you up top there with Arizona. They're, they're suspect. They had an injury, too, during their conference tournament that makes me a little – a little worried. We talked about Chattanooga could give Illinois fits, and then, yeah, um, Loyola Chicago as is an under is not not an underrated ten seed. I think everyone is well aware of that. And Villanova, I think Villanova might be one of the teams that everyone is sleeping on. Jay Wright has that monkey off his back as far as winning in the playoffs, winning in the tournament playoffs. Same thing. Um, let's go to the Midwest. Yeah, so we got the Kansas side, and this is our first double up. This is our first double up. We're picking okay. two teams. On the Kansas side of the Midwest, we're first picking San Diego State. That means they would face Kansas in the second game if they win their first game. They are playing Creighton, the nine seed. Creighton grades out really poorly for a nine seed. They're more like a borderline 10 or 11 seed. Uh, I actually have them as an 11 seed. And they're missing Ryan Nemhard, who's you know one of their better players, a starter all year. Uh Kansas also, as I said, just barely loses out to Baylor as the worst one seed. And San Diego State, very strong eight seed. They grade more like a borderline six, seven seed, let's say, uh, instead of an eight seed. So very strong San Diego State team. I think they can take it to Kansas. And, yeah. and, a, bit, and a big reason for that is what we've talked about. They're one of the slower paced teams in the country, and they're superb defensively. They are an excellent defensive basketball team. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think San Diego State has a very good shot here. The other team I'm, I'm doubling up on this region, five seed here, Iowa. They nice. look really good. I actually have them in my bracket going to the Final Four, Love that. Uh, my, my first bracket, and uh, the one I'm using against all my Action Network compatriots here. So, you know, that, I, I'm, that's, I'm giving that's them – how you really feel. Yeah, yeah exactly. So <laughs> – <laughs> Iowa grades out as a as a high four seed, even pushing close to a three seed. Uh, but they're a five seed, and Richmond 
is a very poor 12 seed in these these blended rankings. They're more like a 13 seed. So this isn't going to be the 5-12 upset we see, I don't believe. Um, you know, this is going to be the 5 seed being the favorite. So I'm going to go with Iowa. And because they're a favorite, I'm going to go with them in the spread versus Richmond. So I'm going to shop around for the best spread line I can find and bet Iowa on the spread. If they don't cover the spread, we lose this portion. But if they do, we get to start rolling them up on money line. Hmm. So that's what I'm doing with Iowa in game number one is spread versus Richmond and then money line in the rest of their games. Um, if we get to the point where Iowa plays San Diego state, that's great. We get to cash those two out. That's right. fine. Uh, if not, I still like either San Diego state or Iowa to have a chance to make the elite eight. Uh, the other thing about Iowa is their, their, their brackets. That's a really nicely Providence is a poor four seed. They grade more like a nine or a 10 seed. Providence does in the, luck, the luck metric with Providence and Providence fans hate hearing this all year. Mm-hmm. They hated it. I'm in new England. I know folks are all in on this team. They are fun. They win close games, but that does not bode well for them. In this it's, it's the Virginia tech, tech situation in reverse. They've yes. won a lot of close games instead of lost a lot of close games. That doesn't bode well for future predictive metrics. So that's what we got there on the Kansas side of the Midwest on the Auburn side, another double up. Ooh. We're going to look at Colgate and, and it's not because I dislike Auburn. It's, it's just uh, kind of the situation we're facing ourselves because we're targeting Wisconsin. Wisconsin's the worst three seed. They uh, grade out more like a seven or eight seed, believe it or not in my blended rankings of these predictive metrics, Wisconsin is 30th. So if you think seven times four is 28, that would be seven seed. So they grade out like an eight seed in my blended rankings here. Uh, and, and we're getting actually a, you know, 14 seed that is pretty good. So Colgate is the best 14 seed in these blended rankings. Uh, and if we look at the Dr. Entropy and the team rankings one, Dr. Entropy being the most accurate, especially Colgate actually grades out even higher than the best 14 seed or closer, like a 13 or, or, or a really good 13 seed. So uh, I like Colgate over Wisconsin. Uh, we're going to have to get a little lucky with them in the rest of this bracket, but if they beat Wisconsin, there's a good chance uh, that, you know, they'll have to face the other team I'm picking here, which is LSU. So LSU is the sixth seed in this region. Um, that means I'll be probably betting them spread in the first game, shopping around to find a spread bet for LSU. Uh, LSU grades out very well as well as more like a five or very high six seed, a low five or a high six. So they're the second best six seed, uh, behind another team. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about here in just a second in, in the East region, but, uh, will Wade that firing there of him makes me a little bit hesitant. They, they struggled at 19 when Wade was suspended and missed the sec and NCAA tournaments. If you look at their predicted, uh, results versus what they actually did. They didn't do very well. So it does make me a little hesitant, but um, you know, like I said, we've got Wisconsin in this, this section, Auburn themselves grades out more like a three seed. So you're really getting like an eight seed Wisconsin and a three seed Auburn instead of a a two and a three. So that helps LSU's case. Uh, And again, LSU Colgate, especially if we had LSU spread as I'm planning on doing means we can cash out here and not have to worry about Will Wade situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the spread part is what makes me a little bit hesitant with LSU underperforming with Will Wade gone. I may still bet them money line. So this is one of those ones where 
you know, just kind of have to pick a team. We're, we're targeting a bad Wisconsin here. Uh, and so I, I might just still money line at LSU because I, I, I think they'll win, but you know, at the same time, they did underperform last time. They didn't have Wade and they do have a nice comfortable path overall to at least get to face Auburn. All right. So Davidson out of the West, Loyola, Chicago out of the South and the Midwest, two double up situations from the Giffen guide. We've got San Diego state and Iowa and then Colgate LSU. That means we have two teams remaining and we go, we make the turn for home. We head to the East region. Let's start with the Baylor side. Yeah. It's tonight's game, Indiana. Yeah. Uh, they're in the playing game. They've got uh, Wyoming and they just need to make the sweet 16, right? Cause we need teams to win three times to get to the elite eight. Well, they're one round further back. So they just need to make the sweet 16 uh, for us to be successful with Indiana. Right. Jason Lisk talked about them. I'm not going to go into too much detail, but I also really like Indiana really good 12 seed. Uh, they grade more like a nine or a 10. Obviously the results is what got them into the playing game, but if it was based off predictive metrics, they'd be more like a nine or a 10 seed team rankings actually has them 26 overall. If uh, my numbers are correct there. St. Mary's is a good five seed, but they're slow. We talked about them. Guards the three, but Indiana's one of those teams that doesn't really rely on the three. So this could be another one of those five losses that St. Mary's had out of the seven this year. That is a team that doesn't rely on the three. And then they just have to get past UCLA. Very good four seed, but on the slowish side, 258th in tempo per Ken Palm. Yeah, looking at Indiana really quick, that means going back to mid-February, they've been in every single one of their games. They lost to Wisconsin by five. They went to overtime against Ohio State. They beat Maryland. They beat Minnesota. Lost to Rutgers by three. But then after that, Purdue, regular season finale, only lost by two. Beat Michigan. Beat Illinois. And they nearly knocked off Iowa in the semifinals of the Big Ten tournament. And on the Kentucky side, what's your, uh, what's your final pick? Yeah, well, we talked about this team before. Virginia Tech. Very good team. Very strong team, especially in the predictive metrics. They're the best 11 seed. They grade out more like a six or a seven seed. The issue is they face Texas, a very strong, the strongest six seed, as I was kind of alluding to earlier. Texas is more like a four or five seed. The good thing is both teams are exceptionally slow. This is going to be a plotter of a game. That makes this game nearly a coin flip. If you want to go with Texas, I don't mind this either. If you want to take Texas to the Elite Eight, uh, but you'd be, you know, especially because this is a coin flip, you can still bet Texas money line in this first game. So you can go with Virginia Tech, you can go with Texas. I'm picking Virginia Tech because they will have a little bit longer odds as the tournament goes on, more likely than Texas. Uh, you got Purdue, which is slow three seed, and, and Kentucky's the strongest two seed. So it's tough targeting Kentucky, but there's a chance they don't face Kentucky. Kentucky actually kind of has a tough draw there with that 7-10 matchup. Murray State, very good. Uh, San Francisco, very good. So there's no guarantee they end up facing Kentucky. Virginia Tech has a shot to make the Elite Eight. All right, very good. So to recap, the Giffen guy to betting March Madness. So he's got Davidson out of the West, Loyola Chicago out of the South, four teams out of the Midwest, San Diego State, Iowa, Colgate and LSU cash out opportunities with those double situations. And then finally in the, in the, uh, in the East, he's got Indiana and Virginia tech. Nick, this was awesome. Great stuff. Really insightful. Glad to have you back because you didn't use this last year, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. 2020, we lost the year. So looking forward to seeing how this plays out for the first time now in three years. Yeah. Right. And we already got one of our teams tonight, Indiana. So, uh, you know, Go Hoosiers, I guess. I almost went to Indiana, by the way, but I didn't. 
Very good. That is going to do it for us here uh, on the Action Network podcast. Thanks again to Jason Lisk of Team Rankings joining us. They are working with Action Network throughout the entirety of the tournament. And of course, thanks to Dr. Nick Giffen, our predictive analyst for the Action Network. Be sure to follow his work over on Twitter. You can find Nick at, Nick, you're at Roto Doc on the uh, on the Twitter sphere. So be sure to check him out as the tournament goes along. And like we mentioned, great to have team rankings working with Action Network throughout the course of the tournament. For those interested in learning more about team rankings, the page is teamrankings.com slash action, which we have set up for Action Network listeners, which includes you folks, to get discounts on various March Madness products, including their customized bracket picks and advice. Be sure to join us. Thanks again to Nick and Jason. Brendan signing off on the Action Network podcast. Best of luck, everybody, and happy March.